0: Coming up, NBA playoffs, Boston sports, two of my favorite things. It's next. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are, This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Make this summer the best one yet. Invest in a Simply Safe home security system. I have one. I love it. It's a great way to protect your home when you're not there. Um, you need one, especially during the summer. You know what burglars know? People go away during the summer. That's what happens. So when you're away, you want to make sure your place is protected. You want to make sure that you potentially have little camera things you can watch on your phone to see what what's happening at your house, at your front door, inside. You deserve some peace of mind. Get it today with Simply Safe. Right now, get 20% off any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at slash BS. There's no safe like Simply Safe. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network. Sunday night, right after Succession ends on HBO, we'll be putting up a new episode of the Prestige TV podcast, breaking down to episode four, which was another awesome episode. Stay tuned for that. If you're not checking out the stuff we're doing on FanDuel TV, please do. You can also see it on the Spotify app on the Through the Ringer podcast. Tay Frazier today on the Through the Ringer show. He had three of my favorite guests, Rob Mahoney, Ben Solak, and Van Lathan talking uh, succession odds. Really entertaining. I watched it this morning when I woke up, had some coffee, and you can watch it too on the Through the Ringer app. So check that out. Uh, Speaking of FanDuel, we got to talk some bets. We got to talk NBA playoff stuff. Please listen to the Ringer Gambling Show with uh, East Coast Bias. We'll be breaking all this stuff down on Friday as well. Had a couple bets I liked. I had a good year with the NBA. If you go back to uh, our over-under podcast before the year, I was six and one on my locks. My my finals pick was Bucks Nuggets, which was 33 to one odds. One of my favorite bets was Nuggets to win the one seed. That was plus 550. Just in general, I've had a pretty good feeling um, dating back to the NFL season. I don't want to jinx it. Why am I talking about this? I've been doing really badly. Don't look. All right, here's what I got for you. FanDuel is going to boost this on Saturday. I call it the LeBron special. Cleveland wins. The Lakers upset Memphis in game one. And LeBron scores 25-plus in that game. Right now, those odds are like plus 305 range. FanDuel is going to boost that on Saturday for you. Stay tuned for that. Go to their app. And then a series bet I like that I'm trying to get them to boost. Celtics to beat the Hawks. Phoenix to beat the Clippers. The Clippers without Paul George, they're not beating Phoenix. I'm just telling you now. They might get two games. They might get one game, but it's not happening. They're not beating Phoenix. And then I really like the Cavaliers against the Knicks. They're like minus, I don't know, they're, they're two to one favorites, basically. A little, little bit extra juice on that. Uh, Randall is coming back. We'll see if he's even 100%. But just in general, I think this Cavs team, undervalued, underrated, Excellent defensively, especially with the Mobley, Allen combo, and especially Mobley, who I voted for Defensive Player of the Year. They have the best player in the series in Mitchell. And I think there's some New York hype with that Knicks team, which, look, I think that Knicks team is good. They're not as good as the Cavs. The roadmap for the Knicks winning that series would be, you'd have to hit a bunch of threes in at least three of the games. And I think Brunson, honestly, would have to average like 33, 34, 35 points a game and match Mitchell. I think that's a lot to ask. They have a lot of stuff they can throw at Mitchell. I think the Cavs are good. I really do. I think they're a good team. So Cavs, Celtics, Suns, series parlay right now is minus 108. Basically even odds. And we'll see if we can get FanDuel to boost that. And since we're here, three uh, three fun exact game bets. I like the exact game bets. I'm going to try to hit at least one of these, hopefully two. Phoenix and five over the Clippers. Again, I don't. I just don't think the Clippers have the firepower. And if anything, um, we're going to talk with Windhorst about this in a second. But there's some blow it up potential with the Clippers, or some panic button potential with the Clippers. We'll see. Second one: Golden State and six plus two forty to beat Sacramento. And I know all the red flags: thirty plus road wins. Sacramento chip on their shoulder. Can't believe that they're not favored in this series. They had a better record. They've been better all season. This is their big brother, you know, 75 miles away that kicks their ass all the time. There's all these reasons to think, don't do this. Here's the thing. Golden State won the title last year and they basically brought everybody back and they had the same infrastructure, same coach. They have the best player in the series, Steph Curry. They're playing a team that really can't get defensive stops at all and has to outscore you. If Golden State loses this series... This would be one of the most disastrous things that has ever happened to a defending champ. I would put it against the 1983 Sixers winning the title and the next year losing a best of five to Michael Ray Richardson and the Nets, which I always felt like should have been attached to their legacy as a great team. The fact that they couldn't even win around the next year. So, just you just have to take yourself out of this and just think logically for a second. The Warriors, they're not going to win around, they're going to lose to a team that has. Not made the playoffs in 17 years or 18 years. I can't even remember how long it is. I don't see it, and I think they win in six, and that's plus 240. I, you know, you could say Golden State in seven's kind of fun. They'd go on the road in Sacramento and win, but you don't want to mess with that. Golden State in six sounds right, and then Cavs in five plus three ten is the other one I have for you. I think at least one of those hit, probably two, but incredibly, incredibly fun series. I can't wait for it to get going. You can find all those bets on FanDuel Sportsbook. And we're going to talk about the NBA playoffs in one second with our old friend Brian Windhorst. And then we're going to bring my dad on to talk about the Bruins and the Celtics and this incredible time in the Boston sports scene right now where you have two teams that legitimately have a chance to win the title, which has not happened in in a long, long time. You have to go back to 2011-12 range you know the end of the KG era when the Bruins were still really good they won the cup in 2011 but uh, my dad is super excited so we're gonna talk a lot of sport, a lot of Boston sports and our fear for this Celtics team multiple fears actually that is all next first our friends from Pearl Jam All right, we're taping this late Thursday morning Pacific time. Our friend Brian Windhorst is here from ESPN. This is the time of year when ESPN works Brian Windhorst. <laughs> I think, what, 78 straight days? Do you get Do you get to go to the bathroom? Do you get to eat lunch? What happens? Is it just you're just in front of a camera
1: at all times? Yeah. It's one forty-five ish Eastern. I woke up at 5.45 um, Eastern. I was yeah. on my first Zoom at six. <clears throat> um, I did four hours straight on uh, Get Up and First Take. Then I recorded my pod, the Hoop Collective. And then I just did some digital recordings. Um, so I pretty much have been on straight. As soon as we're done here, I yeah. will immediately go to do NBA today. And then um, uh, I have to take my son to baseball practice at four o'clock.
0: This is great. I like getting you when you're punchy. I don't want you. I don't want to be the first appearance. I want to be like the fifth when you're just kind of letting it fly and going.
1: I I would have this will, picked a this different will be the most enjoyable. This.
0: I would have picked a different day. I didn't realize you were that slim. No, yeah. So, but see, that's the thing. It, once we go, there's no stopping it. We've both been doing this a long time, and we've been covering the NBA for a long time in various forms. This is the most wide open, fascinating, intriguing playoffs. So one of the reasons I wanted you to come on is I wanted to go through the most intriguing playoff storylines and try to figure out if we could create a hierarchy. But I'm going to jump ahead just quickly to the Friday night, um, where we have Minnesota playing OKC. We have Miami playing Chicago, and I think Minnesota and Miami are on blow it up watch. What let's say if let's say both of those teams lose. Who is a bigger blow-it-up candidate, copyright Kevin O'Connor, um, <laughs> for you? Miami just misses the playoffs. They lose two playing games and they're out. Or Minnesota, this Gobert disaster, and then they end up losing to this OKC team that doesn't even have a center. Going into the summer, wh- what's the team you're watching more?
1: I don't see how Minnesota can blow it up. They're kind of locked in. I mean, I suppose when you're, talking, you're talking in code about a Carl Towns trade. Is that what you're... That's the code you're talking. Either for?
0: do you pick? Do you go? Um, ba- do you go big on a town's trade, or do you just say, "Whoa, the go bear"? This is a sunk cost. Maybe we can dump them to a team like Dallas that might be desperate enough to grab them.
1: Boy, that's a really good podcast topic. Um, I hadn't thought about Minnesota. I think there are some teams that, if they have a failure, I mean, one of the issues about this whole season was there's too many teams that are all in or close to all in. And there's just not enough success to go around. You know, David Stern used to give these lectures about how for every team rising, there's a team falling, and for every owner that's thrilled, there's an owner who's depressed because there's only—I don't remember how many games there are, eighteen hundred or something. There's a finite amount of wins, and it's not getting bigger except for Adam Silver who keeps adding games. Um, so, like for example, in the East, we got uh, how many years has it been since the Celtics have paid the tax? Like a decade. Right. They're all in. Wick is digging down and paying the tax. The Sixers got hardened. They got to worry about they, you know, robbed from Peter to pay Paul this season. What's the fallout there? And the Bucks, I mean, nobody's talking about this, but Giannis has a contract extension option coming in September. And his, his comment on that is going to be pretty important. And so. If this doesn't go well for the Bucs, they got Middleton, who's a free agent. They got potentially he can opt out. They got Brooke Lopez, who's a free agent. Are they re-signed on those guys. So, and then we got all these teams that are getting eliminated that are acting like, well, just you wait, America. And that's what we're getting from Portland and uh like Dallas and you know uh Houston. They're all like, Okay, here we go. We're now we're gonna go get veterans. And I'm like, Well, you and eleven other people. Right. So I know that's a long Winded way of saying, you know, Minnesota. I, I guess could do that. Um, the thing that happened with Gobert is they kind of, you know, cast their lot because they're they're locked in in terms of players and picks. The only guy that they have on their roster that's got super value that isn't one of their like max guys is Jaden McDaniels, who they're probably about to sign to a contract that's going to be that level. So yeah. Um. You know, Towns would be interesting because his contract is so um, locked in. You know, you'd be trading for a guy with with a lot on his deal. Um, But But I think the answer is is, you'd also
0: be trading for a guy with a lot on his deal. I mean, there there's like I think one of the years starts with a
1: six at one
0: point. mm -hmm. So
1: well, that's Dame. Yeah, you know, we're starting to ramp up Dame stuff. Dame's last year, age thirty six, I think, is sixty three. Sixty (laughs) three. When I started covering the NBA, the max was 14. (laughs) I'm starting to feel my age. Um, uh, Anyway, um, I think (laughs) the answer is, I think the answer is Miami uh, because uh, first off, Miami always hunts stars and I, I don't know for sure, just to be clear, but Miami has kind of, they haven't gotten into the bidding seriously for any of these stars in the last like 18 months. And I think it's because they've been keeping their assets dry and waiting for a player to say, I want to be in Miami. Now they're going to have competition because there's going to be several places where if guys want to force their way, um, they could try to force their way. You know, New York is still out there. Um, Phoenix. I know that it doesn't seem like Phoenix, but they have Aiton and they have Chris Paul's contract. Um, They can't give you any draft picks, but if a star player wanted to, or, you know, even like a, you know, sort of a ancillary star wanted to force, you know, Phoenix could still do something. Um, So there's going to be, you know, issues with that, but you know, Miami, this is what they do. Um, They, they, they try to go get stars and their last iteration was Jimmy. And for better or worse, Jimmy's gotten them to one finals and then was within a whisker of getting them to another. It hasn't been the most decorated run in heat history, but it's been a decent marriage and he's still got, you know, gas in the tank. And they have tradable contracts. Uh, Tyler Hero comes on at uh, that huge number. They have Duncan Robinson. Obviously, Duncan's not a, um, an asset, but you can use him in a big deal. And so when you're starting to dream about Dame Lillard spots, Miami's on that list. So, um, you know, Pat Riley always thinks big, and I expect them to be thinking that way if that's what happens.
0: The problem for them is the moves they made in the last 18 months really have hindered their chance to go all in for somebody because you're going to have to take a bad contract back, which I thought was telling in the Gobert trade last year and a couple other ones where teams teams want the flexibility over, oh, we're taking this poison thing too. Um, Oladipo, player option for 9.5 next year, he's taking that. Robinson eight sixteen point one next year. That nothing you can do with that one. Uh and then Lowry's an expiring It keeps going for a really 6. long time. Yeah. yeah. Um so I almost wonder well, it's tough because they have BAM. I like to me, I wonder if they would go the other way and say, All right, Luca, like a year from now, two years from now, do we go the other way? Do we zag for a year? Do we try to tank for a year? do we just say, fuck it, we're out of this. We had a nice little run. We made the finals. We almost made the finals the second time. This is kind of who we are, and you shop Jimmy. And then well, you, they you kind just of, kind of eat it for a year. This is kind of what
1: they've done this year, isn't it? Yeah, they haven't made any moves this year.
0: I, yeah, true, because I think they knew... Well, there was two things. One is I think they were kind of waiting for the team to wake up, and it just never did. And it was, the the playing game was alarming. That's why... I think tomorrow night's going to be so fascinating with them because I actually just think Chicago is a better team. Like even Vegas has Miami has five and a half point favorites, and I, I, I based on what the team's twenty games under five hundred covering the spread this year over and over again, we're like, oh, it's the heat, it's the heat, it's the heat. They they've shown nothing, so I do wonder. Like I think Butler's such an intriguing trade piece because when you're talking about all these teams that want veterans, they want to make the big push, whatever. That's the guy to get. You know, it's a little risky. You got to have the right culture. You got to have the right coach who's okay with coming Well, you're going to have to understand
1: in. that he's not going to, you're not going to love him in the regular season, but you're going to love him in the playoffs. That's, right. the, that's the Jimmy Butler experience. And the Minnesota
0: um, side, it's just if they wanted to play the town's card, that's about as good of a trade piece as anyone's probably going to have this summer because, as you said, he's well, got the long contract, and he's a unique player that you could build a really interesting team around.
1: Well, you, you said one name. I'm not going to say the names because then I'll get aggregated. But oh, if you're looking at the, the, the top 10 players in the league, just think of them, whoever they are. Yeah. There's a number who we're not 100% sure are going to be happy in the next 12 to 18 months or yeah. sooner. The Heat are aware of the same situation, and they know that they're uh, you know a place where people like that sometimes go. So. I think the Heat, you know, already have their eye on what the next incarnation is, which is, by the way, not surprising because that's the way the Heat always operate. The only time they were ever caught flat footed was when LeBron left. Right. Other than that, they're always ahead of the game.
0: You could go the other way and you could say they got incredibly lucky with the Jimmy Butler thing. And if that didn't happen, it would have been a really long 10 years. It's basically.
1: Maybe, but it did happen.
0: No, I know. But if Philly had just played that correctly. And figured out a way to just keep him versus being like, oh, all right, okay, go to Miami. Like I I still don't totally understand how it played out that way, but they pulled it off. They got it. It was also four years ago.
1: Right. I mean, they they chose Tobias Harris over him. Kind of. Yes. Kind of. Um, yeah. Um Well, so- I also think he
0: chose he knew Jimmy knew more earlier than everybody on the Ben Simmons thing. He was like this. these guys don't get it, I think. And he was tighter with Embiid, but he clearly sniffed out the Ben Simmons piece of it and was like, really, you're going to go all in on this guy? This guy doesn't get it. And he was, I I would say kind of vindicated. All right. Most intriguing playoff storylines. Let's go. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I have this, I rank these, I'm not attached to the rankings and you can talk me out of them. And as we go, if we hit one that and I didn't tell you what these were ahead of time because I wanted your natural reaction after seven cups of coffee being up since 5.45 in the morning. <laughs> I don't even drink coffee, but go ahead. Okay, whatever, Red Bull, whatever, whatever you're doing to keep your, your floating. <laughs> um, my number one storyline is not LeBron related because I don't work for ESPN. So it, by law, right. I don't have to put LeBron first because I'm not getting Disney paychecks anymore. My number one storyline is, is this it for gold state? What happens if they just lose in round one? What happens if they get their ass kicked in round two? This nucleus, this run they've had basically since 2013, which is now 10 years. Steph Curry is now 35, as great as he is. Draymond, I have no idea what's going to happen with him this summer. My guess is that when you're talking, we're talking about veterans and people who need stuff, like that's a guy who's going to become more and more appealing as we get closer to the summer. You start ignoring some of the, you know some of the regression offensively, stuff like that. He still had a great defensive season. Um, I just they they just feel like they're between two eras, and I wonder if they get their ass kicked in the playoffs, will that propel them to ease into the next era? What do you what are you feeling about the Warriors right now?
1: Well, the tipping point is Bob Myers. So Bob Myers is a very loud free agent.
0: Yeah, and <laughs> he's de- he's deafening. Uh,
1: Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, he's got this podcast. Um, it's like, (laughs) I mean, he's, he's, he's very clearly letting people know that he may be interested in a media career in the short term future, but not necessarily. Um, I'm not sure. I feel like if Joe Lacob wanted to make that an ultimate priority, that Bob Myers, number one, would never have hit free agency and number two, it never would have gotten public, but whatever. They don't have an agreement. Uh, I believe Steve Kerr has one year left on his contract, so just keep that in mind. He Steve Kerr is also coaching the Team USA the next two summers, World Cup this summer, Olympics next summer. And I'm not saying he can't do both, but just keep that in mind. That's a lot. Uh, then you have Dr- then you have Draymond, then you have these new rules that um, the Warriors didn't get a lot of relief in this deal. There was it was mostly an anti-Warriors, anti-Clippers CBA. Um, right. Not all of the details are out, and from what I understand, they're still haggling over the timing that some of these rules might be put in. But there, it's definitely a CBA that was targeted, you know, against a team that won the the, the title with a three hundred and fifty million dollar payroll and has will could approach four hundred in the very short term future. Yeah. Um, you know, all of that is a factor. You know, Clay is extension eligible. Uh, Clay's looked better, what do you do there? Um so, uh yeah, it's uncertain. Like I, you know, like like I say, like somebody in the East is gonna be left holding the bag and not get out of the second round. And it's probably gonna be Philly or Boston. I don't see Milwaukee, but Philly or Boston is gonna be staring into the abyss like what just happened. We're done in uh, you know, by May 15th. Yeah. And if the Warriors Stub their toe like they stubbed it about 30 times over the regular season, they could be facing a crossroads. Now they still have Steph Curry who is still awesome and he's still under contract. They still have Clay. Wiggins is a is a really good piece for them. You know, they, they have some some young guys that are interesting. Like they're not going anywhere. The question is, are they gonna go, you know, full bore gas to the to the floor, Selman Louise over the financial cliff? Because if it's not a championship team, it's a harder, you know, a lot of the the questions get a lot more difficult in that regard.
0: Can I give you the greatest who says no I've given anybody in a while for a fake trade that will never happen? Golden State loses to Sacramento in six or in five. And it's just, they're in the abyss. It's like, oh my God, what are we doing? Charlotte wins the lottery. Golden State and Charlotte, for some reason, are at a cocktail event or something. It's like, hey, what are you doing with those picks? Hey, what are you doing with Curry? You know, Curry could come home to Charlotte. Well, we need the number one pick to do that. Probably some other stuff too. Who says no faster? This trade will never happen. I'm only doing it for social media so people can stare at us and get mad at it. This trade will (laughs) never happen. But who says no well, I'll faster? Throw in, I'll
1: throw in um one more variable there just to support your case. Yeah. Potential brand new owner of the Bobcats in the short term future.
0: Right? And with the little you know? wink winkage at Steph. Hey, wink wink.
1: That is the road. Be, uh, traded traded four first round draft picks within 12 hours of becoming the owner. <laughs> Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez, we didn't even have the team and we're trading away the whole future. How fast can the new owner uh you know trade away all the draft picks?
0: He does He does a whole study. He does one of those rich guy studies, and he's like, look, these big centers, it's 50-50. For every Wimbanyama, there's a Greg Oden. Who knows? Maybe he'll get hurt. I could bring Steph Curry home. I'm a hero. I could build a whole contender. Steph can play till he's 46 with the way he's shooting. It's just a fun you run. Pr- I was thinking about that. I, I think you Golden State would say no tr- faster.
1: Yeah, of course. You could probably trade Wimbanyama, the Wimbanyama pick for... 99% of the league, but he is in the
0: 1%. I did, when I did trade value in February, early February, I had the Wembe, the rights to Wembenyama as the 25th best trade asset. And now I think it's in the top 10. Now that we've actually gotten out of the season, I think whoever gets that, that, that's why I bring up the Steph thing. It's such a fun one because for Golden State, it'd be like, okay, thanks Steph. We're sending you home. You're here on Charlotte. And now we get to actually do the rebuild that we should probably rebuild. But on the flip side, you can never trade Steph Curry, which is why it's a great no. who says no, no. And that's why the, no. the
1: aggregators should not take this too seriously. Um, oh, well, now, I, now uh, we're in trouble again. I'll get a call. Did you say on the BS <laughs> report that, that the Warriors are going <laughs> to trade Steph? I see that here. I see that here on Twitter.
0: It's a, I still oh. call it the BS report all the time, too. Um, What's it called?
1: That's eh, just the my B- name. The, the BS podcast. The Whatever. Bill Simmons podcast. Um, Did I just violate a trademark rule that was negotiated? No, in a settlement, not at all. Okay. I I
0: like everyone in ESPN now. Things are great. I'm getting along with everybody these days. Um, with this Warriors thing, though, it, I find it far fetched to believe a team that got knocked out in the first round would have Draymond Clay and Curry next year for a combined seven gazillion dollars. Like,
1: well, it also this just is depends probably on, like, for
0: those three. I would say realistically, if they're out fast. I don't think it's a three anymore, personally. That's my personal opinion.
1: Yeah, I just I think it's more the cost than anything. Also, somebody might be crazy enough to throw Draymond a massive contract because he thinks they're going to be great for their roster, and he might be think, for some teams.
0: I think that's going to happen. Or there's trade, there's sign and trade stuff. I think somebody's going yeah. to look at him and and say that's the veteran we need. We get him three years, ninety-five million, whatever it is, and he solves a lot of, you know, change of scenery, it, chip on his shoulder stuff. There, there's a lot here's of reasons the other thing.
2: for
1: it. There's a Michigan State mafia in the NBA now, because you got mm. three, you got these Michigan State guys, Ishbia yeah. Gilbert, and you know, I don't, I don't know if Tom Gores went to Michigan State, but you know, he's a Michigan guy. Yeah. They love nobody loves Michigan State guys more than Michigan State guys. So like, um,
0: was that a little ish, ish
1: Easter egg? No, no. Well, I mean, you know, he's already hired two Michigan people, one Michigan, uh, University of Michigan and one Michigan state guy. So, um, but like if they hadn't done the Durant trade, um, uh, and, and they had flexibility this summer, I would have thought for sure, uh, uh, they would go out, they would have gone after Draymond. But, you know, the people, there's Michigan State guys who love Michigan State guys. Just put it that way.
0: My favorite new owner syndrome moment of all time is Ishbia not even totally having the team yet and finding out that James Jones wouldn't give up Mikhail Bridges in the Durant trade. And within three hours, that decision was reversed. He's like, what are we doing? Just throwing everything. We have a chance to get Kevin Durant. I don't care. I'm the new owner of the Suns. And
1: that right, it. and in Bridges goes to Brooklyn he's like throwing up 40-point games left, left and right. I mean, yeah,
0: that that's about as much as anyone's ever given up in a trade. All right, we're going to take a break. The NBA playoffs are here. You can turn crossovers into cash with FanDuel. Just visit fanduel.com slash BS right now. Place a $5 bet. You'll get an instant 150 bucks In bonus bets, win or lose. You can do it on Saturday if you're feeling it. Do a little LeBron beginning end parlay. Do the Cavs money line with the Lakers to win in Memphis. You'll get around plus 240 for that. Little $5 bet does pretty well. With FanDuel, you can bet the spread money line over under player props. They have great promotions. They'll have boosts. And it's all on a safe and secure app that pays you instantly when you win. There is no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sports book. Just go to fanduel.com BS and sign up to get $150 in bonus bets when you bet your first five bucks. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. You must be 21 plus and present in select states. First online real money wager only, $10 deposit required. Refund issue is now withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at fanduel.com sportsbook. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER, hope is here. In Massachusetts, visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24 seven support. In New York, call 1-877-8HOPENY or text HOPENY. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. In Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, or Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLE or visit com slash RG. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona. In Connecticut, call one or 789 7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Kansas, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Louisiana, 877-770-STOP. In Maryland, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Wyoming, 800-522-4700 in West Virginia, visit 1800gambler.net. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Summer is all about fun vacations, but I know that being away from home can be stressful. So many things can happen. That's why I like to recommend Simply Safe award-winning security that can help give you peace of mind when you're away. The only thing you should worry about while you're on vacation is having too much fun having my home. It's great. Couldn't work better. I think Simply Safe is the best because it comes with a variety of indoor and outdoor cameras, sensors to detect break-ins, fires, floods, and more. It's backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. It's given me, my family, many others real peace of mind. I'm waiting to have it too. Try it out. A 60-day money-back guarantee. No contracts right now. Get 20% off any Simply Safe system with Fast Protect Monitoring at SimplySafe.com/slash BS. That is simply safe with two S, simply slash BS. There's no safe like simply safe. Coming back just on Matt Ishbia really quickly because you and I have not talked about this on this podcast, but we've texted privately about it. The Matt Ishbia, Dan Gilbert um, rivalry slash feud, not getting enough attention, not getting enough play. We rarely have right. two owners that have a real history of, of beef. Shout out to the Netflix series Beef. You could have done a season two about these two guys. Uh, (laughs) He gets voted in. Dan Gilbert abstains. Yeah. Refuses to vote. 29 nothing. He gets approved. Dan Gilbert's like, fuck that. I'm
1: not even voting. So we have that. When was the last time we had owner animosity like this? You know, that's quite, I I don't, I'm sure it's happened before because I'm sure that there's business, these, you know, these guys are all moving in and out of business with each other, but I can't remember it doesn't mean that it's not, it, there isn't a history of it. Um, the thing is, is that Ishbia and Gilbert, I mean, and I've only met Matt once, so I'm not trying to say that I know him well, but Ishbia and Gilbert have a lot in common. They both sort of did self-made um, mortgage companies out of Detroit. Yep. Now, now, Gilbert's a lot older, but they both did it about the same time in their life. And I won't get into, this isn't a um, Forbes podcast. I won't get into the (laughs) machinations of some of the business deals that they've done, but both of them at about the same age made an incredible business deal and then really, really wanted to buy a team right away. And Ishbia tried to buy several teams, uh, NFL and NBA teams, some public, some not. Dan Gilbert was like this close to buying the Milwaukee Brewers. Talk about a sliding door moment in the history of uh, professional sports in America and didn't, couldn't get the brewers and instead got the calves. um, And both like almost at the exact same age became ultra wealthy and bought teams and both came in. Now in, in 2005, Dan Gilbert fired the, 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 the coach, I believe within nine days and he fired the GM within six weeks. Um, and then I think they had eight new players, Seven or eight new players by the next season. New coach, new GM, and like seven or eight new players. I guess, and this is this is faster. And so, in two thousand twenty three time, uh, trading away four first round draft picks in the biggest trade in franchise history. You know, six hours after you buy the team is kind of similar. But end bridges end yeah, king. Uh, well, I love. That's right, of th- course
0: the other thing with the Ishbia thing is he's basically on Dan Gilbert's corner with everything he's doing, right? He's basically, the company he's building is the Dan Gilbert Company 2.0 version. And they start- Yeah, some of the ways
1: they do business, like, again, if Dan and Matt were here on this pod with us, they would probably be able to point out 500 ways that they're different. But like, Gilbert had this, with his mortgage company, he had this this book of isms where, you know, you know, whatever it was kind of, it was a culture thing and Ishbia is super duper into basketball. He has this thing where like he forms his teams into actual teams and they, they have coaches and they have like huddles and they, everything acts like a team. It's the same concept. They're inspiring their mortgage brokers to go out and do sales, but, and they're, and they, and they have a, a concept, a culture concept. So there's a lot, Going there. And so I look forward, and they're they basically live relatively close to each other. Um, and they've got like two the two biggest mortgage companies in America. So, um we probably well, talked about we, too much, but it is interesting.
0: No, you didn't even mention the attack ads. There was like local attack ads against each other. I, I love that story. The best owner rivalry before this, which was way more good natured, but was still a legitimate rivalry with some edge to it, was Wick and Lacob. And I'm convinced and I'll be convinced to the day I die that the reason when the KD Jalen Brown stuff started last summer and the Celtics should just publicly shut that down immediately. Right. Immediately. There's no reason to let that fester for two seconds. You come out and. Unless they like, thought they could make the deal. Well, that's why they didn't shut it down. And right. I think Wick was the one who was the most intrigued by it because he just lost to Lake up in the finals and it w- and the Warriors were, at that time, one of the other threats to get KD. And I do think those two franchises and those two owners definitely measure them. So Lakeham used to be a minority owner for the Celtics. So there, there's just some history. Um, this is way better though. It's way juicier. All right. Second, most intriguing playoff storyline for me. I'm still not going with LeBron. Is this the last Tatum Brown run?
1: Um, Talk about a consequential vote. I put my vote in on Monday. Uh, you, have, you, have a, you had a ballot, right? I saw you talking with Frasillo about it. Did, yeah, I did. I did um, Jalen
0: for third team. I, I actually thought it was pretty fairly unassailable.
1: Yeah, I put him on third team. I mean, I have a, a a general rule on this. I've said this before, that if it's close, I give it to the guy with the contract bonus. Uh, you know? Oh, interesting. Sometimes, yeah, I just... Um, Ty goes to the tie goes to the multimillionaire, you know? Um, so, um, the, the crazy thing here is it's, this is, this is simplistic way of putting it. If Jalen gets voted all NBA, he's going to stay a Celtic. If Jalen doesn't get voted all NBA, he's going to be a free agent next year. Because if he gets voted all NBA, he's super max eligible and he can get offered like 200 and, 40 or 250 million. I cannot see the Celtics not offering it and I cannot see him turning it down. Just can't see it now, whether he's going to be there for all five of those years, how can, how can the Celtics, even, even if you can make an argument that he's maybe not a supermax player and, and, you know, you don't have to give all the way up to the supermax to the 30% or the 35% you can negotiate in between. But I just don't see Jalen accepting anything other than the full max. And if you're the Celtics, knowing that you can't extend him, how do you not offer it? Um, can so, I flip
0: this? Can I flip this the other way?
1: Th- that you would because trade him? Because I've heard because this, this argument.
0: Well, I've heard this argument that if he's all NBA, it, then that means he's going to be a Celtic, and it makes sense. On the other hand, you you're talking about paying two super max guys. You're talking about paying a lot of money to a guy who's who's said a couple strange things during the season that I think has made everybody kind of at least look a little sideways at the situation. Like, is he happy here? Does he like the city? Does he like the team? And I'm pretty sure under the rules, if you trade him this summer, then the new team could offer him the max extension, right? Which would be really appealing. I don't to, think
1: so. You know, that's not the rule? No, I, I you have to be <clears throat> to get the supermax, you have to be and to, to be clear, the supermax means that when you get your 7 years experience and you sign your second contract. It has big to be contract, with the team. You're right. It has to be with the team that you were on your rookie contract with. You can get traded while you're on your rookie contract. But like for example, Donovan Mitchell is probably going to make All-NBA this year with the Cavs. He is not supermax eligible because he was Got traded. It. You're right away from the team. So, no, but... So I it would think be a year from this. now
0: where they could sign him and then if they decided it wasn't working out great one year from, from this now. This is
1: the problem with uh, trading Jalen is because the issue is Jalen, the Celtics signed him to a great contract. It's like, the average is like $25 million a year.
0: It was too um, good of a contract.
1: As it turns out. So, um, the thing is, uh, any team that would trade for him has the same problem. They can't offer him enough of an extension to keep him out of free agency. So, so they'd have to get the, the rule, extension
0: first, and then trade him down the road if that if it led to that.
1: No, he's not going to extend. It's just not going to happen because. So the rule is, you can get a twenty percent raise on the last year of your contract. So if you make a dollar, you can get. Oh yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm talking 20. if
0: they got the super max, then it would be at least a year after that.
1: Maybe, by,
0: by the way, right. this whole, everything I'm saying, I want them to keep these guys. I've said that. I've been consistent on it. Well, this is I what I'm saying. I think they have something I, special I, with these two. I don't want I, them to trade him.
1: I don't see how, if he makes All-NBA, I don't see how they don't offer it to him. Even if they know he might not be a true Supermax player. right? Because, by the way, Tatum's going to qualify too. Tatum, you have to get um, All-NBA two out of three years. Oh, you're right. Or your last year. So even though Tatum can't sign it this summer, Tatum getting All-NBA last year and this year, he's going to be qualified. So if they keep him and both sign the Supermaxes, I did the math on it. You're looking at roughly $110 million a year for the two of them. $55 million average. Jesus. Um, Obviously, especially with the new rules where teams that are too high have limitations, it's not... Like on the whiteboard, it's like holy Moses. So but but the thing about it is, let's say they say, well, we don't want to pay them both hundred we don't want to pay them both fifty-five million a year. We don't think that's worth it. We're gonna trade Jalen Brown. Like let's say you come to that consensus. The team that trades for him inherits the same problem. They can't extend it. Yeah. Because he could only sign for so so the rules are about to change. It used to be you could sign for twenty percent. And in the new rules, because of people like Jalen Brown, they said, "Okay, we're going to kick it to forty percent." So now, if you make a dollar and you want to stay with your team, you can get a dollar forty. But the problem is, is that that contract is so good that even at forty percent, even you know, even if he got a forty percent raise, it's still probably not going to be his market value contract. So let's say you find a, let's say you find a beautiful trade with Team X for Jalen Brown because you don't want to pay him. Team X can't offer a trade like they know they're going to keep them because and then they, he's unhappy and he's that trading. he didn't get the max. Yeah, or even if he even if he gets to that place and he's like, oh my god, I've dreamed every day of my life to be in City X, and I I love playing with Player Y. Houston should absolutely not sign. It it's it's just it's a gap in the rule, and it's still going to be a gap. It looks like even in the new CBA.
0: I wish, I mean, as usual, they didn't consult with us on the new CBA. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't ask for I don't want
1: that. Those guys are, it's a miserable job. It's a miserable job. The only thing I wish they
0: had put in there is I think a team should be rewarded for drafting and keeping somebody. Like the Warriors having Curry for 14 plus years at this point and him being as good as he is and if he's making as much money as he's making. Maybe he should count seventy-five percent against the cap instead of a hundred or seventy-five percent against your well, luxury tax instead of hundred. Stuff you, like that. Did
1: Joe Lacob slip you some sort of um, no? I think the for... the same
0: thing with Tatum and Brown. Like the I think it should matter if somebody stays on the same team, especially in this era where we've turned into AAU. And if a franchise and a star have something special, then they it should be advantageous in some way, is my only point.
1: Aren't you a coastal elite thinking that way. <laughs> no, well, Giannis if you're going to your $400 million payroll, you have to pay the luxury taxes. I don't care if you drafted them. That was like, that was like the thing, like, um, uh, the Warriors whole thing was, well, you know, it's not fair to the luxury tax is not fair because we shouldn't be penalized for just being great drafters and great developers. And I'm like, totally right. Dudes completely agree. It is it would not be fair for you to draft Steph Curry and Draymond and Clay and not keep them. But what about Wiggins? Right. Because it's it's Wiggins that was a difference maker in the finals last year. It's Wiggins who is the remnant of the Durant contract because it was Durant and they flipped it to Russell and they flipped it to Wiggins. That the last vestige of the 2016 cap spike, if I wanted to write like a um a real high-minded um, essay that, you know, 195 people would read and then talk about on Reddit. I would write Andrew Wiggins, colon, the last vestige of the 2016 cap spike. I would write <laughs> this big think piece. But it's true. Yeah. Andrew Wiggins is the, you know, contractual grandson of Kevin Durant. Right. That is, so, so I'm just saying, like, to the Warriors, cool dudes, I don't care if you spend $900 million on Steph Curry. But you got to give up Wiggins. They wouldn't have won the title last year. So while they say that it's all about keeping the players that you did, they really don't mean that. They really want to have the cake and eat it too. And like, look, I don't honestly care, but I'm just, I have to, it's my job to call it out.
0: What about Boston with Tatum and Brown? What about Milwaukee with Giannis? What about where Cleveland's going to be with Evan Mobley in 10 years, assuming that they try to turn him into their Tim Duncan? I do feel like it should be a tiny bit of an advantage at some point. Cause I would rather well, see guys stay more, on teams than move around.
1: There's more small markets than there are big markets and they get voting power in how they put this together. And so mm. our long struggle to, to, to fight player desires, which is to live in the big cities on the coasts and in the South with the the numbers in the mid markets goes on. And it will go on longer after you and I are gone. It'll still be going on. Where are we going? I I'm planning on doing this for 30 more years. Come on, Windhorse. I don't know. I mean, you know I want I someday somebody at ESPN will push me right out the door. That's how it goes there. I don't know <laughs> if you ever heard. <laughs> My goal is for
0: Orlando to be finally ascend to the status of a destination. Because Uh, Last time I checked, they were also in Florida, like Miami. And last time I checked, they have good young players. Remember in the 90s
1: and 2000s, Orlando was the place to be. And then somebody got an atlas and saw Miami. Like, okay, I've told this story before, but I don't think I've told it on your pod. Like one of my favorite stories I heard in NBA is Tracy McGrady told it to me about when he was a free agent. And, you know, he is, you know, he goes down to Miami for his recruiting visit and Riley picks him up. Drives him to Alonzo Morning's house, which is on Biscayne Bay. And Riley disappears. See you later, guys. I don't know. he chills with, with Morning for however long. And all of a sudden, off Morning's deck or dock comes this awesome speedboat. Morning's like, let's go. I'm making up some of this, but this is a general story. Yeah. They get into the speedboat and they tear off across Biscayne Bay by American Airlines Arena, across Miami, Wind in their face, ocean, bay, nightlife, sky, palm trees. Pull into Pat Riley's house, which is also on the dock. He used to call it Casa Riley. Yeah. Riley's holding the max contract. Here you go, Tracy, $100 million. Tracy said no to sign in Orlando. Ugh. Because Orlando at one time was a real place to be. I don't know if it can be again, but... But I, I know he was from that area. I know it's not apples to apples, but I just want to, I just look for well, any excuse to tell that story.
0: A, great story. B, there was a Grant Hill, Trace McGrady, Tim Duncan possibility for like two minutes. That yeah. was really exciting early days of the internet. I'm going to move to number, uh, I guess this will be my new number two because we kind of shut down the original number two because Jalen Brown's, he's going to get all NBA, which probably removes any of that intrigue from the table. The new number three, Jokic. If they don't do well in the playoffs this year, I think officially starts edging toward being his generation's version of, I wrote down Steve Nash. I wrote down James Harden. I wrote down George Girvin. I wrote down Dominique Wilkins. Now he's probably more impactful than all of those guys. Um He's only 27 years old. The last five, six years he's put together. I think we were talking on the pod the other day about how Luka went 38 and 44. And it's like, how many guys in the league are just a guaranteed 46 wins? I think Jokic is a guaranteed 46 wins. We saw it last year. He's playing with a G League team and he won 46 games. And yet he still needs to, he still needs to make a run here and it's all set up. They have home court. They have a really good team. They have a real home court advantage because of the altitude, especially when we get to round three. It's all on a platter here. And if it doesn't happen this year, next year's chance isn't going to be as good. And then you start moving into that category that you don't want to be in. And those guys were great players. Like it's, it's honestly not Nash's fault. He never made the finals, but he never made the finals. So to me, I'm watching that just as somebody who loves basketball, who loves Jokic. I love watching him. But at some point, it's got to happen in the playoffs. You got to put together some rounds.
1: Again, I talked earlier about the Celtics going into the tax. <clears throat> the Cronkies went into the tax for the, I think, second or third time ever and the first time in like 11 or 12 years. They just don't do it. And they don't stay there very long. They went into the tax because they thought this was a championship team. They have the best team they've ever had. This is the first time they've ever been a number one seed in their history. Maybe they were the number one seed in the ABA. I don't know. But they've never been a number one seed in the NBA. And <clears throat> are, is that organization built to continue to spend money at that level for that team. And look, they've signed all those guys up. They extended, um, they extended, uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope as soon as they got him. Yeah. So like Porter's signed up, they went to the wall for that one. It was a questionable decision, but they went to the wall, extended Aaron Gordon, you know, not to mention what they're paying Jokic and Murray. So, you know, yeah. And like I voted Michael, Michael Malone was on my all in the, all coach of the year ballot. Uh, was I it, voted for was Mike he Brown. the three spot? I had him two and I had bud three cause I couldn't break the ties and I just took the two, one seats. Interesting. I mean, I, it was more than just that. I mean, yeah, I, I had reasons for it, but, um, uh, but like if they don't do well, like he may face some scrutiny because, you know, he's holding the fullest deck they've ever had there. And I will say this, you know, Jokic is not going to win the MVP probably whether or not that's fair or not. Depends on who you talk to. Um, but him not winning the MVP might not be the worst thing for him because he's already going to deal with the fallout of potentially, you know, if he doesn't get to the finals, doing it as a two time MVP. What if it was a three time MVP? What if the third straight time they shipped that trophy over to Serbia and it was, and he, he didn't have, he didn't do it in Denver because he was already out of the playoffs. He I
0: mean, didn't take shit for it last year because the team was so flimsy. This year's team is good yeah. and there would have been yeah. a giant bullseye on him. Um, I'm they're not 12 sure and 11
1: since the, uh, They're 12 and 11 since the All-Star break. Right. I know they tanked some games, at the, not tanked, but they, you know, just jettisoned some games at the end. But they're still 12 and 11.
0: The West was pretty much locked up for them and it seemed like they yeah. took their foot off yeah. the pedal. And I get it, but yeah. this lined up perfectly. They don't have to play the Lakers in round one. They're going to play whoever wins this 8-9 game. They can let, hopefully, Phoenix and the Suns kick the shit out of each other and hopefully that's a long series and then they can get the remnants of that. But yeah, this Jokic thing, he has the potential to become this generation's kind of semi-tragic figure of the great player who just never found the right team. I from a he has, no, it, I
1: mean he just that's he wants to be there though. I mean yeah, like, he does. You know, talk so it, about he you know he signed a supermax extension. There was 0.0 drama and 0.0 attention. You know, the, the Nuggets made two trips to Serbia last year, once to bring him as MVP and once to bring him as Supermax. And you know, Giannis signed the Supermax and We practically broke into Sports Center, and they (laughs) hadn't even won anything
0: yet. (laughs) Right, true. Um, All right, let's take a break and then we'll rip through the rest of these. Today's episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no instruction manual when it comes to life or any of the other stressful tasks adulthood throws your way. So many of us lay awake at night going through a list of what ifs. What if our home floods? What if I get into an accident? What if the roof caves in? Listen, State Farm is there for all your what ifs. I'll tell you this for the people listening, the younger ones who aren't adults, who don't have families, who don't have property, who don't have things to just worry about day to day to day. It sucks. Worrying about stuff sucks. Even like this winter in California, we had it rained for like, I don't know, three, four straight months. Guess what happens when it rains? You're driving along on the road, all of a sudden there's this giant hole in the road. You get a flat tire this roof that you thought was this unassailably protected roof it starts leaking and water starts coming everywhere. You might have a basement. All of a sudden your basement's covered in water. You just never know. You want to have somebody you trust that can help you out with any kind of scenario in any situation. You know who that is? It's our friends from State Farm. You can file a claim on the State Farm mobile app, or if you prefer to talk to a real person, including your agent, you call anytime. It's what they do. That's like the old saying. I don't know, a friend of this said to me once, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So here's what you do, call or go to statefarm.com. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is gonna be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it, I made it happen. Now it's time for LeBron. We don't have to do the can LeBron make one last finals because everybody's going to be talking about that constantly. I do feel like you can make a case that this will be his best chance to make a finals because of just the situation the West is in and the next time...
1: He knows that. That's why he's playing on this ridiculous foot.
0: Right. Yes. Next time (laughs) we see him in this situation, it will probably be in more of a ring-chasing capacity, I would guess. Um, so I'll go, I'll flip it around a little bit. We talked about this on the other night on this pod, but I had to get your take. We are two weeks away from Curry versus LeBron round two. It's a, it's a real thing that could happen. It would be one of the biggest round two series in the history of the league. It's the biggest playoff matchup I think the league can have from a casual fan interest standpoint. Do you think
1: LeBron considers Curry a rival? his feelings towards Curry have gone in and out. Yeah. Um Actually, when you, when you're around long enough, this happens. Um, like you remember like those just, you know, it, he looked at Curry with disgust at times. And also there was this time where it looked like, you know, he may come for him as the most popular player, you know, it was like, Oh my God, can under armor eat into Nike's market share? You know, Well, as it turns out, Curry is great, but Under Armour isn't eating into Nike's market share and nobody is questioning, you know, the people are not putting LeBron and Curry on the same level. At least I don't think it's not not really happening. So now all of a sudden he's posing with him at weddings and they're all holding up the four. Like, hey, we all got four titles. Isn't it great? Hey, Steph, where did you get the first three of those? Who are those against? I don't even remember, but congrats on your last one. You know, like if you had showed LeBron, you know, like, I'm not saying like in the locker room, in the losing locker room in 2017, but like even in like 2019, if you had showed LeBron a photo of him posing with Curry and the other warriors holding up four, like, we're the four rings club. I don't think he would have said that. Inconceivable. Uh, I do think. Yeah. So some of this, you know, it depends on when you ask. There was a time where he sure as hell thought he was his arrival and not just on the court, but in for marketing dollars. For you know, for shoe market share, you know, for all that stuff. But uh, I think that's cooled down for the time being. Doesn't mean he doesn't want to beat his ass, but it's cooled down. There was
0: some, there was some love bouquets thrown around like about a year ago that made me wonder if he was potentially planting the possible seeds to jump over the Warriors at some point. LeBron,
1: I thought um, it was the inverse. There was some, there was just, and, and it's laughable to talk about now. And I'm sure yeah. like the Warriors laughed about it then, but there was a single-digit percentage chance that the Warriors were not going to offer Curry the full max on the last Mm. contract, you know, the one that put him into the super stratosphere. And by the way, they did in five seconds when it came to it. And the Lakers were going to have cap space. And so I thought he was seeding the ground just a little bit in case the Warriors messed around. But, you know, he recovered from his injuries and was awesome, and the Warriors didn't mess around.
0: LeBron's son is going to go to USC. LeBron will be in the Lakers next year. And after that season, I think he goes into full ring chase mode and tries to figure out how can I stay. I think in the he goes into brawny chase.
1: I think he goes into brawny chase mode.
0: Yeah, but that's assuming brawny comes into the league after a year, which I I just don't think is realistic.
1: Well, the question is, it may not be the best thing for him, but is it that's is it going to be that's the way it's going to be?
0: Great question. I'm not yeah. touching it. Um, Me either.
1: <laughs> Next, next intriguing question I got
0: for you. This is a great one. This should have gone higher. I'm already criticizing my own list. What's a bigger fork in the road team for you? The Clippers or the Sixers?
1: So you can't pay Harden five years because he runs into the over 38 rule. But just the fact that I'm bringing that up should tell you all you need to know about that, about whether you should do it. If you're the Sixers, are you paying James Harden $200 million? I,
0: I mean, no. I, he okay. didn't even play, he didn't even stay healthy for four months. Okay. He already looks banged up now.
1: Okay. And he was you're playing right. great. He's, I Achilles was going to put
0: him on All-NBA, but no. he's already hurt.
1: He gave kind of a very concerning interview when he came back and was like, yeah, my Achilles, I could barely walk on it. I was like, oh, I don't he like hearing those same. words. He, he's way slower. It's a fact. So what does that mean for Philly? Does that mean you're doing a sign and trade with Houston? Does that mean you're, you're calling Dame Lillard or, you know, you can't call Dame Lillard, you know, that would be tampering and those that's illegal. Uh, what does it mean? It feels
0: like you can't pay him. And it feels like you get it. Houston the- has
1: $60 million in cap space. Who are they spending it on?
0: Right. Well, and the damn thing, You know, Maxi is a really good lead piece for a Dame trade, but I I never understand what these draft picks, you know, what what the Suns gave up with Bridges for Durant blew my mind. After that, I was like, I don't even know what the concept, I mean, the Go Bear trade, we talked about it. It Just, I have no concept of what somebody's worth. Like, what is Dame Lillard worth in a trade? You could tell me it's seven picks. You could tell me it's Maxi and two. I have
1: no idea. Well, that's why I think Dame could be doing the Blazers the greatest gift ever by asking for the trade now because I don't see how Portland is going to compete. First off, there's not going to be a player. I don't think that says send me to Portland, a star. Maybe I'll be proven wrong. Secondly, they have this encumbered pick that they owe Chicago. So they can't make like, unless they make a side deal with Chicago, which Chicago would hold them hostage for probably. They can't offer like four picks for the next Durant they can offer like if they win the lottery this year they could offer that but they don't they don't have the package. So considering where the prices are right now, plus there's a whole bunch of teams that are like, I gotta have a veteran. I, I, I gotta have a veteran. Like there's like you know, <laughs> Houston comes out and is like, you know, we gotta have one. Portland's like, we gotta have one. Yeah. You know, Dallas is like, we gotta have one. Um New York is lurking there. Miami is lurking there. Um like if if sometimes the greatest thing you can do is to say goodbye. And with Dane coming off this season where he was so awesome and yeah. is still only 32. Like, every day that goes by, it, it's harder to get value for Dane because his contract is so big. So, my impression is that that wasn't what they were going to do. My impression was that, you know, they're going to try to go get a star player now. But I'm like, who's the star player? Like, are you going to give up this year's lottery pick and like, the one future pick you can trade and like, shade and Sharp for like, OG Ananobi? Does that does that trade change your situation? Or does doing a Durant Gobert Mitchell style trade for Donovan, I mean for uh, for Damien, is that the better trade? You know, sending him away. Um
0: Well, you'd be happy so, to know. You are with the Picasso, the trade machine, and I do have the trade for you, <laughs> if, you if you're interested. Okay. But let's hear it. I will say just some from Portland standpoint. I love that we're talking about this. Uh you can't decide anything to the lottery.
1: Absolutely, that goes. If you win the lottery,
0: but if they win the lottery, like Dame should stay. Like they, like you. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm glad
1: you said that um, because it can be used against me. No, all of this stuff is. Yeah, you're deciding
0: in like May. Yeah, yeah, May 18th. Yeah, I think Atlanta is a really intriguing Dame spot because Trey. That's a real centerpiece to get back, and there's a lot of cases you can make with Trey if you're acquiring him that. Hey, the guy's young. He's been only been in the league 5 years. He's gonna he's gonna figure out some shit. He's incredibly talented. He made the Eastern Finals Box and office. that could be this yeah, and that and that's somebody our fans can latch onto and then if you're Atlanta, you get out of the trade business. You give up whatever else you have to give up to get Dame and you put him with Murray, which is a really fun combo and you're a and you have money and you have players and you have moves and you you know, I that one makes more sense to me.
2: It's
1: this sort they of thing that's why picks, you're though. Yeah, well they they have a little bit, but not have a little bit, not the grand but, tour. But they they, but, they but, lost but, some But trades would be pretty valuable. This the conversations like this are why you're worth 100 million dollars. 100 whatever you are because Way that's higher. really good. That's that's good. I hadn't thought about that.
0: Yeah. Um okay. Quickly. Um Oh. We didn't do this one yet. I guess it's along the same thing as Trey Young auditioning to stay in Atlanta this round against the Celtics. What if they just get their asses kicked? That sets off a whole slew of, uh-oh, Atlanta, what do they do? Blow it up. Like, if Boston sweeps well, Atlanta, that it's on.
1: Atlanta is, is underachieving, I mean, for their talent that they have. Uh, can I say I was I pretty surprised that they got Quinn Snyder to take that job. Me too. I mean, talk about... Talk about... um not winning and making a decision before the lottery. (laughs) I mean, again, not that Quinn was like looking to coach when Banyama, but just to see what the fallout would be. Um, and they gave him a lot of money, but they didn't give him like insane, like don't say no money. And he also didn't get to my knowledge. He didn't, you know, he didn't get like full control.
0: Yeah. He didn't get the Tibbs, the Tibbs control package and, I don't, right. I didn't feel like it was like a godfather offer either. I would have waited. I didn't understand it at all because it feels like between wherever Wembanyama lands and then who, who else knows what shakes out? Like, what if Nick Nurse gets fired? You know, like what if you mentioned Mike Malone before who I, I agree, I think he did a good job this year, but you know, what if they lose in five in round two and they're like, shit, what do we do? We got to, you know, I just sort of waited. Um, he must have really liked that talent. What if Steve Kerr
1: decides to, what if Steve Kerr decides I'm going to take a couple years off, I'm going to coach the national team?
0: Me. All right, this is the second time you've mentioned that. Um, now right, now, there's, I'm not now not there's being. Smoke. I'm not
1: for aggregation. I'm just, now you know, there's I'm just smoke. saying he does. Now coach there's now. smoke
0: coming off the statements. <laughs> no. No, um, no, no, no. No, I'm with you. There's there's 20 jobs that could be available at any given time. Yeah. I, don't, I just, I'm with you. I didn't love the Hawks job because... I just, the trade thing, which is funny because we're saying I mean, saying it, it doesn't Portland's sound like form.
1: Pop is going to retire. It's all, all indications are Pop's coming back. Talk yeah. about before the lottery. But um, uh, what if the oh, San wait, Antonio we, job comes, up?
0: We only have four minutes left. Um, all right. I have to throw this one at you. Giannis doesn't get enough credit for being one of the most intriguing playoff storylines from this, for this standpoint. If they win again, which they're the favorites and they would be the team I bet my life on, you've officially cemented the I am the best player since LeBron case, which might be the case anyway. But now you're talking about a five-year run with...
1: Usurping Durant and Curry? Is that what you're saying? Best player
0: since the, let's say LeBron, it goes to 2018. Right? That whole okay. that when he takes the G- caps to the generation, finals. So th- generation
1: this, Y or something.
0: Yeah. This last half decade, these five years, he would have two MVPs, I would assume two finals MVPs, five top three MVP finishes, um, and just year to year, eye test wise, is always in the mix or was either the best player or he's in the debate for the best player. And now you're talking about a half decade kind of residing at that level, which I think is important because how many guys have gotten there in the history of the league? You're, now you're talking like 12, 13 guys total kind of swim in those waters.
1: Listen, you're talking to an unabashed Giannis believer from early in his career, and I mm. voted for him for MVP this year. And, you're, and I say that as a guy who voted for Embiid last year because mm. when you watch him play, And you watch him do what he does at both ends. How do you not say he's the most valuable player?
0: I wanted to do it so badly. And I, the 63 I'm not games... Critici- I mean,
1: they're, they're they're all good... They're all good options. Like, the, I'm not, you know, criticizing. I'm just telling you, you're talking to a guy who voted for Giannis. Well, so, you're talking yeah, to a guy who still, has night-
0: who still has nightmares
1: about him in that Boston series last year. Um, you got lucky... Got yeah, got lucky. lucky Tatum did it when he did man, because he is out of gas in game seven.
0: Last thing before we go. Now we have one minute. Um, I didn't put the rant here. Most intriguing because I don't, I almost feel like that, that team still has the new car smell. And if it doesn't yeah. go well for them and they don't make the finals, I don't feel like it's the end of the world. Cause I think then you leave, you leave and you go, well, we just all got together and, Kevin got hurt and you know. Yeah, he like and Kyrie were traded
1: the same week, but they're not they were not in the same situation. Yeah. So in a weird way, even though they should have the most
0: pressure, and especially with Chris's situation, God only knows how many years he has left. And KD has never, you know, he still has, oh, you won two, but you had Curry. And yet I don't feel like they have a shitload of pressure. It does feel a little house money-ish because the longer they go on, I'd be like, whoa, this is amazing. These guys have barely played together. Whereas like a team like Denver or Milwaukee, that, there's some real pressure on those teams.
1: I agree. I think they're not even in the top five of your ranking pressure. The other thing is I never from day one understood why, I mean, I, I listened to the explanation, but I never could reconcile his decision to play with Kyrie in Brooklyn. I just, I just always thought it was a bad choice. And I'm, I, it's not, I thought it, the day I learned of it, months before it actually happened, we all knew it was happening. I can't tell you how much better I believe the fit with Booker is. It's oh, yeah. just, and I've spent a lot of time around the Suns. It is yeah. just, like, they, they may not win. They may not win for 10 different reasons. It may be injuries. It may be because they've overpaid for Durant. Maybe because the new CBA hits them particularly hard in terms of team building with where their salaries are going to be. There could be a d- dozen different reasons they don't win. But that pairing at least makes sense to me. Their Their personalities match their games match their their timelines match Booker can can carry the big load at times Durant wants to have a player like that that to me and they're
0: malleable made they're malleable sense. guys they kind of fit into whatever the situation yes. is so i think i think it's a 3 or 4 year run i agree i only have five teams that i think can win the title suns nuggets warriors bucks celtics and i would have had the sixers in there but i don't i don't think harden's healthy and i'm not I'm not putting him in that circle if he's not 100% and he's not.
1: And you got to ask Joel to stay healthy for four rounds which he's just not been able to do. I mean, maybe he will. I'm not saying he can't, but it, it's a you're putting more of a burden on Joel in that case.
0: All right, go do your next five shows. Winhorse. Thank it was you, a Bill. Pleasure, I'm always happy always.
1: to see you. I hope to see you in LA soon. Are you coming to these playoff games? Of course I'm going to come
0: to at least a few right. of them. We got two LA teams. Right. Same time. Great to see you. It's been Thank a while you. since
1: we've had so much playoff games in LA. So. <laughs> All right. It's Thank been you. A real Bill. Long time.
0: Be well. See you. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game. And they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right first half of the first game. I don't know. West Coast time, that's usually about 5 o'clock, 5.30. Perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. Is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Verbo. You know, it is already stressful enough to deal with airports, delayed flights. Bad weather. You want your actual where you're staying experience to be perfect, to be lights out. You don't want to have to worry about anything. When you book a vacation rental, you want to know exactly what you're paying ahead of time. The stress of getting hit with unexpected cleaning fees after your stay that can immediately cancel out all the great time you just spent unwinding. Thankfully, when you book with Verbo, you can see the total price upfront. There are no unpleasant surprises, and the savings do not stop there, my friends. When you book with Verbo, you earn. cash back toward your next vacation through the One Key Rewards program, letting your money do the work for you while you've got your feet up. So while other vacation rentals can feel like a roll of the dice, relax knowing you booked a Verbo. Book your next private vacation rental in the Verbo app. All right, taping this early Thursday afternoon. The Red Sox just got their asses kicked again, but my dad's in a great mood. Incredible Bruins season. Second best team in the league for the Celtics. Uh, Patriots draft coming up. This is his time. I will say, Dad, I've never heard you talk more regular season Bruins in the last, maybe this century than this team. I feel like you watched most of the season. You were really in on this season.
2: I was really I, I was really in in 2011. I was really in, I think it was 18 or 19 when St. Louis knocked them out but I'm more in with this team because I like their style of play. I mean, we've gone with this new coach from being a defensive-oriented, we'll score a goal if we can and we'll win two to one to really opening up the offense with the defenseman coming into the offensive zone. And it's a lot of fun to watch. It's been really good. I've enjoyed it a lot. Um, So
0: one of your all-time favorite Bruins teams?
2: I, I would say so. You know, just to go back, to your opening comment, you know from living here, the best two months of the year are April 15th to June 15th. There's nothing like it in Boston and nothing like it anywhere. I mean, all the sports teams converge. It's 86 degrees and sunny as I'm looking out the window right now. So the weather has finally turned. We have, as you mentioned, the Bruins and the Celtics with championship aspirations. I love the NFL draft coming up, even though there's so much turmoil in the uh, Patriot <laughs> organization right now that you're reading about. The, the da- And the Revolution are winning. Oh, uh, stop, stop it. Players. Now you're losing me. The Revolution. Come on. <laughs> but, uh, um, I, to be, I was watching that Red Sox game. It's so sad what's happening. So yeah, sad. They,
0: they had the best start to finish team of all time in the history of the franchise in 2018. And then it was like watching when somebody starts getting plastic surgery and they disfigure their face. We're at the disfigured face part of this Red Sox journey. It's awful. They had dollback batting fifth today. I didn't even know he was in the league anymore. I thought we—I thought that was it. I thought we
2: sent well, him to Japan. He's back. It, it's worse than that. Yes, <laughs> Last night they had him playing shortstop and he made an error in the first inning that really cost him the game. He's playing shortstop. He's about eight feet tall. Well, we had a shortstop. He's
0: playing in San Diego. And then we had another shortstop who blew out his elbow with an injury that everybody
2: knew about before they signed him. So it's been great. That, that shortstop in San Diego is having an all of a uh, Hall of Fame start to uh, the year. And uh, I look at the box scores because I always, the guy is great. I mean, he was such a role model in Boston and s- such a, uh, four-year stretch of terrible decision-making by this ownership and chime bloom. I I hope he's on his way out soon. What a terrible job. So it's been a
0: top. We always have two teams going this century with the Boston sports scene. When I was living there in the late nineties and it was Loserville and it was like so bleak. And then since then a bunch of good stuff happened. Now the Celtics and the Bruins are the leaders who I always like to ask you this because you have a feel and you have dumb conversations as you're walking your dog all around downtown Boston hoping people will talk sports to you. Um, who's, which they do. Which they do. They're like, hey, that guy. Um, who's number one right now? Is it Tatum? Is it is it Bergeron? Is it Pasta? Who's the number one
2: guy in Boston right now? That's a really good question. Uh, t- that's a really good question. I'd say Bergeron um, for just because of his charisma. um, He's captain of the team. It may be his last year if they win the cup. Um, He has no baggage at all. Not that Tatum has any baggage, but he's, you know, he's been here so long and he's never played for any other team. And uh, I think if I had to compare which of the two teams maybe has a slightly better chance of winning it all, I'd probably say the Bruins. So maybe yeah, because
0: there's no there's no Giannis slash Milwaukee Bucks standing in the way of the Bruins. It's no it's...
2: there's no super team this year in the NF NHL. You see a lot of Bergeron uh jerseys walking around Boston right now. I'd say more than Tatum jerseys, just I haven't taken a poll obviously, but it just looks that way right now.
0: Yeah, because he's got you know, he put in the time much like Ortiz where it's just years and years and years of being with somebody. Um, Then the 2011 DNA to the cup right. team. Right. And then on top of it, like, you know, one of the classiest Boston dudes, you know, going like an all timer, like just beloved, great guy, never heard a bad thing about him ever. Just love being here. And then on top of that, it started his career where he had the concussion and it seemed like, you know, he might not even get there. Yeah, and,
2: he, right. I mean, we, we had that experience years ago with Norm Leveley and we yeah. just wondered about Bergeron, but he's beloved in Boston. And, it, you know, the fact that he came back, almost retired, came back and uh, has like 26, 27 goals, uh, he's been tremendous. At the other night, I think he won like 18 to 21 face-offs. Uh, <laughs> right. You know, I, I hope he doesn't retire. But if they win the cup, it, it might be the great way to go out and retire if they win the cup.
0: Yeah, the team's had the look. I don't talk a lot of hockey on the podcast, but I have been, I don't usually like regular season hockey because then it gets to the playoffs and it's like the regular season doesn't matter. But it's been a really fun team to watch. Like they had this streak they have all these little like celebrations, little things at the, at the end of the games, like the goal yeah. do their thing at the end. And it's just the team's had a certain feel to it all year. And then Pasta has to be the, the best offensive player we've had probably since Neely in the early 90s, right? Like yeah,
1: just, yeah. I mean, since he scored
0: he- 60 goals. 60 goals
2: is... That's not like a long list of dudes, the 60-goal scorer list. No, um, obviously... McDavid is, has, uh, I think, a few more goals than he has. But yeah. I think in this era, it's really difficult to score 50 goals. Uh, He's the kind of guy a, we've, never, we've never had, ever. No. But, y- you know, you're right about... I-, I would say there's something very similar, though, about the two teams, the Celtics and the Bruins. The camaraderie between the teammates on those two teams, it seems to be terrific. The locker yeah. rooms... They say both locker rooms are really outstanding in terms of the support players give each other. Um, I'm not sure the Celtics have a leader like Bergeron. I mean, Bergeron's the real leader. You can see it when the game ends. You know, he's he waits for every player to come off the ice. I like when he. I like how he does that. Yeah. He he's yeah.
0: always the last guy off the ice.
2: Yeah. Now he does have, as you said, he has the 2011 Cup. You know. And we don't have a player on this team that has a championship. If we were to win, maybe Tatum takes a different leap in terms of leadership. Um, I'm not sure who the leader is in that locker room. I I think it's a lot of uh, collaborative leadership, probably.
0: Horford's definitely, I think, a big brother. I don't, I I don't know if he's like the traditional awesome leader, but I do think, I think everybody leans on him.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. I I think if you had to name one person. Some of the players identify him. They'll make little comments about Al. And you know I talked to Al and Al helped me get through this little patch, et cetera. Especially like Robert Williams talks about forfeit all the time.
0: Well, it's funny with the Bruins, the, the guy that's looming in the back of everything is McDavid if he gets there, who's just the single most terrifying hockey player, I think since Lemieux. That I've watched. I mean he had it when he was I remember seeing him when we the last year we had King's tickets, seeing him in person and had just never seen anybody skate
2: like him before.
0: No. It's like, like watching the old Bobby Orr clips from like the you know, the late
2: sixties. Mean, when we when we played them in the last month, he had a speed level that I haven't seen any other player have. Uh, he just flew by people. But you know you're almost I'm, to
0: the point that it seems like he's gonna get hurt and just go
2: flying into the boards he's going so fast you're like how is yeah. this guy going this fast he's a pretty big dude I, I I don't think we're gonna see them because I don't think they have the defense to get to the uh, finals but yeah, uh, I think they're gonna I be a tough right. matchup
0: yeah though the west is more fun because it's got they bet it's there's the four best teams in the league three of them are in the West right and yeah. And uh, and then there's this whole, you know, Vegas, Edmonton, L.A., all the West teams that are all pretty good.
1: There's They're a quick thing. Good.
0: I I was rooting for Quick with Vegas to have a little revenge against the Kings because I was pissed that they sold him down the river. But I don't know if he's going to be a factor. But just in general, uh, I think the playoffs, like Toronto's in there. There's some signature signature teams and players, and it's going to be fun. I I think this, and then the, the NBA side. And we talk about this all the time, like just how topsy turvy the NBA is, and how other than Milwaukee, there's no team anybody feels great about. We've, yeah, I mean, thank God our texts aren't aren't public. The texts that we have during the Celtics season, but right. I can't say this has been an even keeled Celtics season, even though the record ended up being fifty seven and twenty five.
2: It's been pretty topsy turvy, and that's probably one of the things for me about. Uh, comparing the Bruins season and the Celtics season, although obviously I'm a Celt- Celtics season ticket holder, not a Bruins season ticket holder, but it, it's been a schizophrenic year. Uh, I I can't decide. I don't like their style of play many nights. I mean, it's uh, if Celtics. the ball is, yeah, the Celtics. If the ball is moving and uh, you know three or four people touch it, and that's great, but too often they come down the court. And you have Tatum taking the twenty seconds left on the clock, the three pointer from beyond the three point. I just don't like that kind of offense. I like it when they move it around. The last two weeks they've played better. Um, and of course, you and I have the same concerns about. Yeah, I know what you're going to say, rookie oh, coach.
0: I thought you're going to. I thought this was when we were going to talk about Rob Williams. Well,
2: I'll go to him next, but the rookie coach. Uh, Has been overmatched in certain games against certain other coaches. And uh, it remains to be seen how he stands up in the playoffs. And then the wild card and the article today in the paper about uh, the coach challenging Robert Williams to score more more and stay healthy. Well, every time he goes down the court and blocks a shot and comes down on his feet, you think he's going to fall to the ground. He just has the last 16 winning games, I guess. But I don't know. That's a wild card.
0: I think three times this year you've texted me from the game saying, Rob just went to the locker room.
2: Yeah, well, because I'm sitting there and and I do watch him. And I can tell when he comes down the wrong way because he kind of grimaces and he he shakes his leg a little bit. And the next thing you know, he's walking down the tunnel. (laughs) <laughs> we don't see him again for, for like two weeks. Uh, we can't afford that to happen in the next two months. He, ha- he has to be out there, um, and and he's going to be important against Atlanta. I I know neither one of us is afraid of Atlanta, but they rebound, and uh, we need Rob to be out there. You know, at least rebounding and cutting off their centers from the boards.
0: Yeah, he's this rare combination of. He's br- he's brittle, I guess would be the way to say it. But he's also reckless. Yeah, like for somebody who gets hurt all the time, he's also one of the only guys in the league who will just go flying into seven guys for a rebound and try to you know dunk over three people or try to block some crazy shot from some angle where he's going to land where the camera guys are. And it's right. just
2: like, dude, fucking bring it back. Well, every time they throw the alley oop to him, oh. I have this, I have this image of Gordon Hayward. And I'm thinking to myself, please don't throw the alley oop. Right, people get hurt on the alley oop. Uh, Whoa, KG in 2009. That was the that was that, exactly. It cost us the championship. Yeah,
0: yeah. If I had to rank my concerns with this team, Rob's number one by far because they're a completely different team when he's healthy. Just right. it's it's like there's the Celtics with Rob, and then there's the Celtics without Rob, and the Celtics without Rob can still be really good, but Rob's that. Rob's gives them the extra well, special.
2: The, the Celtics without Rob can be really good only if the three point shot is going in.
0: Right. It's, and, it's, yeah. Well, and if Joe Maz has a feel for what the, you know, the, our biggest complaint with them all year was like, well, a, the Derek white thing, which finally became a local story a month after we were talking about it. Like, why does this guy play crunch time? Right. The third best guy in the team? Like, what are we doing? and, now it seems like he's playing more, but just in general, like this is such a fun roster to coach. Cause you can go small, you can go big, you can do all right. these different things. And sometimes it almost feels like he forgets that. Like he has certain matchups where it'd be like, just just like against the Knicks. Just just go small. Put all your guards out there. Like spread or against Philly, yeah. just spread them out. Spread and beat out put all our guards out there and make Philly have to play defense and run and push the ball on them.
2: And sometimes he gets it. Sometimes he doesn't. Yeah, I agree. It, and for me, it's just lack of experience. In two years, he'll probably know better. He'll probably, his substitution patterns will be much better. But right now, I, you're right about Derek White. He he has this loyalty to Marcus Smart. I, I think. Yeah. Um, and leaves him out there too long or leaves him out there in games where Smart it just doesn't have it. Uh and and maybe Smart is still hurt with the ankle because he certainly hasn't been the same player this year, particularly he, on defense.
0: He mentioned the ankle finally a few weeks ago. Cause it, it doesn't look like I voted for him for defensive player of the year last year and I thought he was. I thought he was the most important player because of the flexibility he had. It was a lot of the same reasons I voted for Mobley this year. His ability to basically be the Swiss army knife of whoever you need him to guard, he can guard the way you can just create any lineup around his defense. This year it's the opposite. And White has been the guy who's been like the dominant defensive guard. I voted for White, second team all defense. I thought he was absolutely spectacular on that end. And some of his blindside blocks and his rim protection stuff is really, really unusual. I thought he had a great year.
2: He did it. it's kind of ironic we're talking about him because a year ago in the playoffs, we didn't have these feelings about Derek White. He, well, he wait a second.
0: A- no, we, I could be sitting next to you during round three and he could get the <laughs> Derek White face going and shoot one for 10 and we'll be like, take him out. Like, yeah, I don't a- 100% trust it yet. I'm still a little scarred from last year. Well,
2: no, I, I think I think now he understands the team offense. He He's had the whole training camp. He's a different player. His confidence level is so different. But, you know, just to bring closure on Marcus Smart, and I guess it is the ankle. He has no lateral movement like he had last year on defense. So we see all these point guards just going flying right by him. And that's where Robert Williams becomes important because he can be backing up Smart. But Smart didn't need that last year. It's going to be fascinating. And, of course, there's a lot of stuff in the paper about in a crunch, which guards are going to be playing in the last three minutes of the game? Because they have three really good guards. They have, I mean,
0: NBA.com, the stats that they have now, which I know you don't look at, but they have all the five-man lineups, four-man lineups, three-man lineups, two-man lineups. And you can really, after 82 games, you can really have a feel for what matchups, lineups are successful, right? And so even if you look at like the two-man lineups, just Guys playing with other guys. What are the best combos? White's in like half of them. The only one that smarts in out of like the top twenty most successful net rating lineups is the one with Derek White. Other than that, he's not in any of the top like twenty combos, other than with Blake Griffin, who he barely played with. Um, yeah, that's
2: interesting. Yeah. But
0: but it it sometimes the numbers back up what you see. And the eye test for me is like he's not one of the best seven guys on the team right now. And I don't. I think that puts the coach in a weird spot because the cut, co- you got to be loyal to your guys. Smart was the third best guy in the team last year. Unquestionably, who's a big part of why they made the finals and you're kind of waiting for that guy to come back, but I'm not sure he's that guy, whether he's injured or whatever. And I do think they're going to have some tough decisions, especially next round when you have, you know, you have Philly with Maxi and Harden, assuming Harden's healthy. Um, they, they, the way he matches the guards up against those guys are going to be really important because you want to run on Philly. You want to push the ball on them. Right. And then on the other end, you want to be able to defend, stay in front of Maxie. I don't think smart's going to be able to stay in front of Maxie. So that's going to be a one and that the Rob Williams is the other piece is just, right. what are we getting out of him? I don't, what, where are you standing on Grant Williams these days?
2: I think he's had an awful year. Um, yeah. for somebody who turned down a, a contract extension, it, it's almost like he's trying to be the player that he really isn't like he's, he's driving to the basket losing the ball uh he's not blocking out his three point they say that his elbow is sore he's a right-handed shot as you know they say his right elbow is sore his his three-point shots are coming up short from the corner and he was automatic there last year so they're not playing him as much as you can see they I think it's interesting when they go, Brogdon is taking some of his minutes. Even, uh, you know, they have other guys that they're using more. Uh, They're using Hauser off the bench, taking some of Grant Williams' minutes, which I like. Uh, The only matchup that I really like Grant Williams in is against the, the Greek freak. I think he does body him and take him off his spot a little bit.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, that's the value of having him this season. Yeah. Right is that Milwaukee series, which for whatever reason, he has a shitload of confidence against Giannis. And, you know, they do a good job of building that little wall on him. And Giannis hasn't shot the ball this, that way. He,
2: he has a little confidence against Embiid too. Um I mean, you'll see him matching up against Embiid, as long as Embiid doesn't go into the basket. Because uh, Grant Williams is shorter than people think he is. If you don't, when you see him in person, like standing next to the other players, uh, he's right. shorter than what he was uh, in terms
0: of a power forward. Yeah, one of the lineups they played a lot this year was Horford, Smart, Brown, Tatum, and Grant Williams, which last year was like one of their money lineups. And this year, the net rating on that lineup is is plus one, yeah. which is like one of the worst lineups they can play. And that was a lineup that was like money for them last year. The the like the Horford, Smart, Brown, Tatum, White lineup which is probably their crunch time lineup, that lineup's plus 12. And yeah. that's with how Smart's playing. But we we both have been so impressed by Brogdon. That, Brogdon's been such a revelation. Like oh, I voted it, for him for sixth man of the year, and some of my New York fans were like, typical Homer pick. I'm like, I, I don't know, man. I watch a lot of Celtic games. Brogdon, Brogdon yeah. some nights, is like the second best guy on the court.
2: Some nights, he's the best guy on the court. There's an article today in the paper that if Brogdon was with us last year, there's no doubt we would have won that championship and that's probably accurate. Um, yeah. You know, obviously you can't go back and look at it that way, but he's been terrific. Uh, he's missed a few games because he obviously his whole career has been injury prone, but he hasn't missed much and he seems to be healthy right now. I mean, they're dealing with Jalen Brown, the cut finger injury, but they said he practiced full full extent yesterday. Did the conspiracy theory start with that injury yet? It was a pretty a weird little, injury. He, pick, a he picked bit. up broken glass. What's going on? I think there might have been a Shaughnessy article about <laughs> all, the, all, the, all the strange injuries over the years and going way back to Larry Bird in 83. Uh, oh, the bar fight. No, eight, the, the 85 fight. playoffs. That cost oh, us,
0: was one of the things that cost the title. The bar fight yeah. and Cedric Maxwell not get back in shape.
2: Yeah. and Bird couldn't make shots in that big playoff game, but there was some conspiracy stuff, but he practiced full tilt yesterday. So I give him the benefit of the doubt. We all like flowers and we have to put them in vases. Yeah, we love
0: Jalen Brown. I, I'm just saying <laughs> if my son, Ben Simmons, had a five-stitch cut on his hand and said he picked up a vase and that's how he got it, I think I would have had some follow-up questions. Well, it wasn't
2: his hand. It was a finger. They didn't oh, say yeah, his which, finger, yeah. They didn't say which one. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. J- but, just what we needed was a mysterious cut heading into the playoffs. I mean, we we went this long. We didn't even talk about this yet. Neither of us wanted to play Miami. I think they would have uh, beaten Miami, but Kyle Lowry definitely would have unintentionally, maybe semi-intentionally injured somebody on our team at some point. They're in some I, I, charge. Rob Williams, Al Ube, so, so, no, Our entire team is not making it out of that Miami series. And all of it. a sudden, they roll over and they lose the 7-8 matchup, and now we don't have to worry about them.
2: Well, I agree that, first of all, they're not making it out totally healthy. And secondly, they're going to have to play a lot more minutes against Miami, and yeah. you know, which really wore us out, certainly wore Tatum out by the time the finals came around. I mean, Miami is confident, I guess, against us also. Um, and, you know, Lowry, Lowry's had an awful year. I mean, I watch his stats. He wasn't even starting for the second half of the year, mostly. So, of course, he can have that 33 point game. Um, I'm awfully glad they lost. I never expected them to lose.
0: Atlanta is a team we have a lot of confidence against. I hope I'm not over jinxing this series, but it's just, it's always been a good matchup for the Celts.
2: You know, a couple of our players, I think Jalen Brown is from the Atlanta area, he kills Atlanta. Al Horford obviously has a long history with Atlanta before Boston. He loves to play against Atlanta. Yeah, we match up well. Um, I'm not sure who's going to guard Tatum. Who in that? I know a lot of teams that like to double team Tatum right away. I don't know that Atlanta can do that. Um, You know they have.
0: Did you like this Tatum thing? And I think for the most part he was spectacular. I voted for him fourth for MVP. He had that one weird stretch for like three weeks where post all-star break where I was like, uh, was, was it a good thing he won the all-star MVP? Um, but for the most part has been really great. Did you know that he scored more points? He averaged more points this season than any Larry Bird season?
2: Yeah. I knew he averaged 30.1 or, and they, and that's with a couple of, games where I don't think he had double figures, but he had his, he had a really really good season however, he wasn't the same player after the All-Star game um, I, I don't know whether too much went to his head from that MVP and scoring all those points but his shooting was terrible from the All-Star game till about two weeks ago, his three point shooting was terrible, I mean the percentage is below 30% so hope, hopefully he he doesn't take as many threes, or he he takes them when they're more in the flow of the offense.
0: Yeah, he played a lot of basketball the last couple of years. I do think that's a small piece of it. They had yeah. you know they had a lot of stuff crammed in the bubble season. Twenty one, they you know they got out of the playoffs early that year, but last year was a lot of minutes, and you know he's young. I I actually think he's going to have a huge playoffs. Um, I think he's one of those guys like. You know the team. I don't want to say they got bored, but after they had that whole twenty-three to five that that start and everything, and then teams really started coming at them, then the All Star break, and I don't know. I, I just felt like the team looked a little disheveled there for a while, but I thought down right. the stretch they started to look like they did the beginning of the season. Maybe I'm but, maybe I'm being too uh, optimistic.
2: No, I think I think you're mostly accurate. The thing that worries me is teams seem to have picked up on what Golden State did a little bit. They're immediately doubling him when he comes across midcourt. And I'm not sure he always makes the right decision. And And he's our best player, and you don't want to see him giving up the ball so quickly, But unless he gets the ball back. And I think that's our, our offensive flow. Coaches have really had that strategy down, especially when Brown comes out for a rest. When Tatum's out there by himself, uh, with four other people, they're doubling him every time he comes over the court. And in the playoffs, that magnifies itself. I mean, defense becomes much more critical. That worries me. Um, all right, so let's say
0: we make the finals. What what scenario scares you more, Golden State or the Lakers?
2: <laughs> oh, Golden State. I I told you, and I think you asked me on a previous podcast, I saw all the Western teams come in this year. Uh, I thought Golden State handled us the easiest. And they didn't even have Wiggins in that game. Uh, they they just see, it's a little bit like Miami. A little bit, they have our number. Uh, yeah. You know, we can take that number back, but uh, they have a lot of confidence against us. Obviously, okay, from winning. So,
0: so I agree with that from a basketball standpoint. But from an emotional and psychological standpoint, the Lakers somehow making the finals and then beating us in the finals on the Lakers, beating us in the finals. To me, that's like,
2: you'd have to give me the last rights. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't handle that. That's to me, is an apocalypse? That's like a sports apocalypse. (laughs) our, Our dislike of the Lakers goes back too many years. I could not handle that at my age. I
0: think that's my single worst sports scenario is, is, LeBron and AD somehow dragging this weird Lakers team to the finals and then beating us in the finals would be the oh, absolute
2: you, worst. You and I still have that terrible memory of uh, games. The game six where LeBron scored like a hundred points against us. And, oh, in Miami. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we thought we were up three to two, and suddenly we, lo- da- we lose the series. And, we haven't beaten him in a series since. That yeah. like
0: that was when everything flipped, and then. You know, the Lakers, I thought you were going to talk about the, uh, the last Dude, two Laker games, Perkins, Perkins going down, Kobe six well, for 24. Then I have to live here. I'd have to hear shit for the rest of the year about it. So, um, no, that's a know. terrible
2: memory. I mean, it was really nice that you invited me to those two games in Los Angeles, but they scarred <laughs> me for life. Uh, I can still see Perkins falling to the ground. Uh,
0: you know, it was an underrated, terrible one. Was when we went to Game Five of the two thousand eight Finals, and we thought the Celtics were going to finish off the Lakers. And Scott Foster was like, "I have other ideas." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. and he—I think he gave everyone on our team three fouls in the first five minutes of the game.
2: That's another wild card. The uh, refereeing—I I looked at the lineup of who they've picked to play, to referee the first round, and it's it' it's your typical cast of characters. Uh,
0: yeah, they they're in a tough spot. It didn't affect the plans that much it didn't seem like but um yeah, I think I'm with you. The Warriors seem like they have our number. Yeah, and seems super comfortable. The Lakers is the apocalyptic scenario.
2: And we played um, Denver well. We we play uh we we've pl- we played Phoenix well. Um of course we haven't played them with Durant, but um, yeah,
0: the Suns would be the most fun scenario because it'd be a fun series. There'd be everyone would be showing the nineteen seventy six, you know, like oh the 70, 76 finals triple OT game. That'd be great. I uh, can't
2: get I can't get to the finals yet because uh, if we get to the conference no, finals,
0: I, yeah, we got to get through Milwaukee. I'm, Milwaukee. I'm just I was that I was in the big hypothetical. By the way, that okay. Celtics Lakers game five I mentioned. KG had five fouls. Pierce had five fouls. Ray Allen fouled out. And PJ Brown had five fouls. With 28 fouls.
2: Yeah. Scott Foster.
0: Thanks, Scott. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. It feels like Giannis will have 17 extra chips on his shoulder against us in this playoff series, too. I think he's still pissed off about last year. Like, in a real way.
2: Yeah. And I think they've their team looks a little stronger with one caveat. Um uh, whether their forward's going to be 100% healthy, because looks like he hurt his knee a little bit again. Middleton. Yeah. Um, the he, best he, thing he, in I our think.
0: favor for that series is how comfortable Tatum looks against my Milwaukee. That it's is true. a little true. like the reverse of the Golden State Boston thing. It just yeah. looks like he feels like he can score on anyone on that team. And we are comfortable defensively against Giannis, so there's a couple couple things. The, the Philly series, I'm going to come back for the Philly series. If that if it's Philly Boston round two, I'm going to try to go to like the last five games of that series because, you know, we, that's what we've grown up with.
1: I know. Our whole, well, our
0: whole life, we've had Philly Boston dated back to the freaking 1977. Remember that one? Yes. The, um, Doug Collins and Dr. J and Daryl Dawkins beating the uh, Callens, basically the last good Callens check team. But, well,
2: I'm still upset about that team because, uh, Silas, That's Silas. I mean, we 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 should have won that championship. Uh, Red Arback made a, uh, one of his few mistakes; he wouldn't give Silas the money, um, and we got out rebounded in that series. For those, it was kind of funny. They had a you know how at the Celtic games they always honor a season ticket holder. Yeah. They actually added a season ticket holder who had had the has had the tickets sixty five years now. They didn't say whether he inherited them from his dad, like you will inherit my tickets. So I'd like to know whether he, he looked, he looked a lot older than me. So maybe he has had the tickets that long. Um,
0: maybe that's why they haven't honored you yet. So you've only been, this is your 50th year. Yeah. I'm not, so, that I, was, I, so that guy was, that guy was 1959. Yeah. I've not
2: requested to be on it, by the way. I don't want to be up on that jump no, I just
0: think you should have been. Yeah, pro- probably. Fifty years, fifty straight years, not inherited. It's pretty
2: impressive. Fifty straight years, not inherited. That's right. Well, you've been going fifty years.
0: I know, but I'm I'm just not saying. Quite. Like,
2: yeah. Yeah.
0: No, I. It yeah. took me a couple times that first year, but 1959. Yeah. That's 65 years is amazing. Yeah, he was with the. Same so he saw almost it. all the Russell titles. Yeah, exactly. Um, Maybe that could be your co-host for the Blue Plate Special podcast. <laughs> he could be I'm the talk to
2: FanDuel. He could be my first guest. He's talking yeah. about Russell and Sam Jones. Yeah, if, he, if he's able to have a conversation. <laughs> uh, they didn't have him talk. He was just up there accepting the basketball.
0: Have you have you worked up the proper amount of animosity for the Philly series? What needs to happen? You've never liked PJ Tucker. You've never
2: liked watching Harden. Um, well, but you you like Embiid though. I like him B. How can you not like him B? We we hoped we would get him B during that draft, remember? We were hoping he would fall.
0: Uh oh the when he got hurt,
2: the Marcus Smart draft. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh we were hoping that people would be worried about his uh, health and that he'd slip because of that reason. Uh, I think the I, odds of
0: that were like probably one, 100 to 1, but you talked yeah, yourself into it. It was pretty funny. My,
2: yeah, we talked this I talked myself into it. Um uh, yeah, I you know, the Philly team, I like the Philly team. I think they're fun to watch. And we have the Doc Rivers piece and, um, w- you know, we've played well against them, though. Uh, yeah. And, and you also have the Harden piece, his his uh, history in the playoffs. You, you can't discard that. Uh, something happens to the guy in the playoffs. Plus, I don't think he's 100% healthy, right? He's definitely not healthy. doesn't um, look it.
0: All right, before we go. The Can I just reman- say,
2: these two months in Boston, the Celtics, the Bruins, the marathon is Monday, uh, the Patriot draft that we love, the controversy with the Patriot front office, uh, the Red Sox suck, the weather's good. This is the time to be in Boston. Okay. okay. Um, the, well, that
0: leads me to my last question. America's is- can't wait to hear your answer for this. I know you've studied the draft. I know you've read all the mocks. The Patriots have, I think, the 14th pick. And I know you've probably decided on who you want. So who have you selected for the Patriots, knowing that they're going to trade down and break your heart for the 70th straight
1: year?
2: Well, if, if he slips a little bit, I would love to see them take the receiver from Ohio State. Um, if not, if not that wide receiver, uh, one of the top three tackles, that, uh, so we could put a tackle out there. I. I so know it's like you said like a left have.
0: tackle, any left tackle.
2: Uh, oh, well, there's three, there's three super, you know, high chip tackle, uh, tackles. What's going to happen and it's going to, it's going to kill both of us. They're going to trade down and take a cornerback. It they will kill us, another cornerback. And we always, we never, Pick good cornerbacks. We, they usually come in as free agents.
0: The only thing against Belichick trading down this year for a future pick, like it, you're right, in the past, Belichick would trade backwards. We'd get the 37th pick in the second round and a future first. And be like, oh, that's a, what a great trade. And then we would take some cornerback who would immediately get hurt and go on the injured list. This year, if he doesn't feel like he's sticking around Long-term, if the Kraft-Belichick, all those rumors are true, maybe he yeah. does just try to take the best available guy who can help right away.
2: I, I think that's a very like that's a very strong possibility that he's under the clock a little bit from Kraft. I mean, it, we only know what we read, but it certainly seems like Kraft has his fingers in some of the decisions that are being made. Kraft started to get, I think, I, I've talked about this in the pod a couple of times. Kraft
0: started to get a little aggro last year especially yeah. with the uh, coaching staff, how much of a mess that was and then the quarterback stuff. and
2: I, I, don't... I, think, I think Belichick, and, and if this is true, that Kraft is, I'm not going to call it meddling because he owns the team and we've been terrible the last couple of years, but if Kraft has more of an imprint on what's happening, I think the reason Belichick hasn't kind of responded and rebelled, he really wants that uh, record of the most wins of any coach ever. And uh, he needs two more years to get it.
0: Well, maybe it won't be in New England. All right, so this weekend, you're going to game one, Hawks-Celtics. Saturday afternoon, 3.30, yep. And Bruins also started this weekend.
2: No, the Bruins start, it looks like Monday night, because- Oh, Monday night. Game two of the Celtics series at home is Tuesday night. So I think the Bruins have to start at home Monday night.
0: And Marathon- Happening,
2: marathon Monday. is Monday. Unfortunately, it may rain. But yeah.
0: all right, what yeah. a, what a time for you! I can't wait to hear the uh, updates. I hope and pray that around four fifteen on on uh, Saturday, you're not sending me the "uh oh, Rob's walking to the locker room" text. I hope I don't get that for this entire spring. Not a single Rob Williams text.
2: Rob's walking to the locker room, and Scott Foster is our referee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't want to send that text.
0: Something's wrong with Rob. He just left. It just don't, <laughs> don't even tell me. Just let me find out on Twitter. I don't want the text. All right, dad, okay. good to see you. All right, Good to see you. Thank you. All right. That's it for the podcast. Thanks to my dad. Thanks to Brian Windhorst. Thanks to FanDuel Sportsbook. Thanks to Steve Cerruti and Kyle Crate for producing. Don't forget, if you like Succession, Prestige TV podcast Sunday night. Don't forget to check out FanDuel TV as well. And we will see you on Sunday. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the hoops.